The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. back here and like there's some programming notes for channel 12 before we go to our uh one of my two guests uh the pbs news hour started off at 7 p.m finding your roots at 8 p.m explore the ancestors of actor joe manganello and football star tony gonzalez tony gonzalez a great tight end for the kansas city chiefs and the atlanta falcons and then at 9 p.m becoming frida kalo explore Explore Frida Kahlo's later life, declining health, and more. That's from 9 to 10. And then Frontline comes on at 10 p.m. Frontline investigates the Houston Astros cheating scandal and what it says about baseball today. Okay, so that's from 10 to 11. And then I'm important company. Well, actually, that's from 10 to 11.30. And then I'm important company from 11.30 to midnight. So PBS News Hour at 7, Finding Your Roots at 8, Becoming Frida Kahlo at 9. Frontline at 10, and I'm important company at 11.30. Okay? That's on channel 12 tonight, the flagship. Of course, you know, you ain't got no WTJX radio without WTJX TV. Okay? So that's uh, where we at. Now we're going to... Hold on, let me check on... Um, text message, yeah. Okay, there we go. That's good. We're going to... Uh, welcome to the show... Um, Mr. Oscar DeGruy, that's how you pronounce it, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Oscar DeGruy, that's, that's how you pronounce it? DeGruy. DeGruy. Oscar DeGruy, yeah. DeGruy. Uh, and from Insight. The Y is silent. The Y is silent, okay. Oscar DeGruy from, from Insight <laughs> Empowerment Programs. Good morning, sir. How are you? Welcome to Good Analyze morning. This. Good morning and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself to the audience, if you will. Okay. Um, well, I guess to start out, um, I was an actor for almost 30 years, um, television actor, did a lot of mostly TV uh, cop shows and, and played the bad guy a lot. Um, uh, I think the, probably the one thing everybody remembers is, is probably Good Times. I played a character called Mad Dog on Good Times back in the day, and I think they still run that show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, near the end of my career, I started working with, uh, with back in those days, they called At Risk and possibly gang-involved youth. That was kind of uh, what I started doing at the end. And uh, started working with the community, working uh, in schools, working uh, with you know local organizations, um, addressing the issue of, of youth and empowerment of youth. So the program I developed was to engage youth so that they could be more confident and more able to uh, present themselves in public. So they do learn arts, they do learn poetry and spoken word and and a little bit of rap and uh, dance and step dance and that kind of thing. But it's all geared to get them to, to be empowered and to be able to go out into the world and uh, be more, uh, more efficient and more effective. Because at, at some point, you know, they have to be in front of people and they got to present themselves. So I go as far down as sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade uh, when I was doing my school program. Um, I'm kind of retired even from that now. So now I'm traveling around to communities kind of as a as a as a service to different communities uh i come in and i work with uh 
with young adults who want to work with youth. So I do a train-the-trainer kind of thing. Um, as well as I do my own program still here and there, um, I will work with youth uh, at different organizations and looking at doing that here uh, on the island. I appreciate that. But let's talk a little bit about, about your um, acting career. Um, <clears throat> you, you've been on Room 22? Room 222? Yes, that was... <laughs> you're going all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my first roles ever on television was Room 222, right? That was that was way back, my goodness. That's a school That's a school show, right? That was a school-based, school, a school-based program? That was a school show, yeah. Yeah, that was a TV show um, that, that featured lots of students at that time. Everybody had afros. And those yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was one of the kids that, that showed up in the classroom every now and then. I was a guest on the show. I wasn't a regular, but I was a guest on the show. And so I'd come in and do uh, different parts and, uh, uh, well, play the same character, but I'd be on different different uh, parts of the program. So, uh, yeah, that was that was early on. And then I got I got involved with Cosby um, and did some of his early stuff and mm-hmm. then did a, um, a variety show he called the New Bill Cosby Show. Everything was a Cosby show. Yeah, yeah. All of his shows were called Cosby. You never know which one you're talking about. Correct. Because they were all called the Cosby Show. But this was called the New Bill Cosby Show. And I was his sidekick. Every week I'd come out with him on stage and we would uh, we'd do skits and things. We'd have guests on uh, Richard Pryor, Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier. We had all the big stars come on, uh, Lily Tomlin. All the comics and people of that time would come on his show. So we had a, a great time. I met like everybody as a teenager. I mean, young man, not a teenager, but in my young, uh, my young adult life, I met all of these uh, incredible stars in Hollywood uh, because of that show. Yeah. You're, you're originally from where? New Orleans, originally from New Orleans. Okay. Um, came to California, raised in South Central, back and forth growing up uh, between South Central and uh, and New Orleans, and uh, got to see it all. You know, got to see both both sides. Uh, almost became a Black Panther. Um, was looking into to joining the Black Panthers back in those days. My family was very much activist. Uh, my dad was into Malcolm X. Uh, my mom was into Dr. King. So, activist family. <clears throat> And, you know, raised in the South, you know, you partly in the South. I was going back and forth growing up uh, in the South and in the West. So I got to see the crazy on both sides. Uh, and it was quite crazy in the 60s and 70s when I was coming up. So uh, I remember all of that. And then... Um, the, the, you, uh, you said you said your, your mom... Which one was Malcolm X? My dad. Your dad was Malcolm my dad. X and your mom was Martin Luther King. Did they have... Um, dinner table discussions about one being oh, radical and one being supposedly oh, yeah, a peaceful <laughs> the whole family was always involved in what was the proper approach you know yeah <laughs> but my my dad loved him to Malcolm X though you know when he passed away my dad I, my dad cried you know crocodile tears I mean he was like so upset when Malcolm was killed yeah that's that's uh, 1965 yeah, he was very yeah. much into him yeah huh? that's 1965 65, yeah. yeah. And Kennedy was killed a couple years earlier. Yeah, he was killed in November of 63. Yeah. Yeah, the whole this old early 60s up to 68 when they killed Dr. King. There mm-hmm. was just one one death after another. Yeah, and Robert Kennedy was 68 as well. Robert Kennedy yeah. just, just before uh, Dr. King, yeah. yeah. It was crazy. I mean, the country was going through. We, act- oh, we, ha- we actually had a murder here on St. Croix as a result of uh, Martin Luther King. Really? Yeah, yeah. There was one guy. He 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 lost it, and 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 it was racially driven. Yeah, we, we yeah, that was that one that one hit home. 
you know that was oh, that okay. was rough yeah 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 that that was just a bad yeah. time the bad time in this part of the world you know the western world was rough you know what i'm saying yeah um, yeah so that's uh, you know that's kind of my background in social justice what got me involved in social justice was having my family be so involved and then me you know coming close i said i didn't quite make it to becoming a black panther i didn't get initiated but i was hanging out and going to meetings and dressing the part and acting the part mm-hmm. but uh i had a spiritual awakening and uh but but, but you were you were a teenager uh, at a, at the time when the when the Black Panthers were teenager uh, adolescent when the Black Panthers were actually yeah. you know having that kind of yeah. impact on uh, on the country. What, what what was that like in in a city where uh, Black Panthers um, actually had real traction? I know um, L.A., San Francisco, New York, the big cities, Chicago. What was that like? Yeah. Oh, it was it was. Uh... <laughs> It was quite threatening to the local uh, police departments everywhere. They were very uh, engaged with trying to stop everything we were trying to do. And people don't realize that the Panthers were not a violent group. They were not about violence. They were not about anti-white. They were about social um, uh, growth for the community. They Mm -hmm. were like doing breakfast for kids. I mean, that was the motivation for the Panthers. And uh, we didn't start, you know, carrying guns and all that until... They started, you know, attacking our communities, mm-hmm. and that's when, you know, they started to defend themselves. It was, you know, Black Panthers for self-defense. That's what the the whole meet the whole name is, uh, and so it was a political kind of statement being stayed being made. But people took it the wrong way and tried to say it was anti-white and it was anti-government. It was it was none of the above. But but, but let, let me ask support. let me ask this question. Looking back, this is 50, 60 years ago, right? Uh, yeah. Um, why do you think the farther away we get from that window, there's more sympathy towards what you what you what the Black Panther movement was actually attempting to do back then? It was looked at as a radical, uh, wanting to create problems, but uh, all along that was not the case. And now they're telling the truth. Why do you think that's taking place now? Well, you can't take the truth and, and hide it forever. That's right. I mean, that's right. I like that. Things are going to come out. Yo, yo, that, yo, that's the perfect answer. Seriously, that's the perfect answer, man. No, yo, yo, yo. truth, truth crushed to the earth shall rise again. William Cullen Bryant, William Cullen Bryant coined that phrase. That's that's the perfect, the perfect answer. Of course, you know, last week, um, we found out that, that they arrested Keefe Keefe Davis for the murder of, um, Tupac. And Tupac's mom was uh, a Black Panther. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so know. so so he talks about it a lot. You know, in his interviews, he'll talk about mm-hmm. his mom being a Panther and, 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 and being on. the son of a Black Panther. Correct. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So so you know things are things are changing, but not changing all at the same time. It's getting better and it's getting worse all at the same time. Yeah. The truth is coming out, but the attitudes um, have always been hidden in the, in the closet and. Now the people have been let out of the closet. It's it's kind of a, a new world, and they're not, they're not going back in the closet. That's the that's the reality of where we are. Is that this is this has opened up a whole new can of worms. This recent uh, political uh, stance that everybody's taking, um, it's really caused a lot of people, you know, to be emboldened now to come out and. Well, the internet, the the, 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 the the internet and social media plays a part in that. You know what I'm saying? Um, they were suppressing in- information, and this is not limited to, to the Black Panther movement and all that stuff. Everything, everything in life, yeah. right? Yeah. You had um, yeah. decisions were being made in smoke-filled rooms with a handful of people determining the fate of of, of millions, uh, unbeknownst to the millions. But that's no longer the case. It's hard for information to be suppressed nowadays. 
because yeah. um, with, with the in internet and the uh, technological advancements that we're dealing with, information moves even faster than the speed of light. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Let, let, let me ask this final question, right? Um, Cornell West, right? You know, he's supposedly a candidate for president and all that stuff, whatever it is. But he was interviewed um, 10, about 10, 11 years ago. And um, he said that um, Malcolm X, right? And, and, it, and I want to know if this is uh, similar to what you're talking about. He said what Malcolm X was, was <clears throat> articulating for was self-respect, self-defense, self-determination. Are those the same pillars that you were dealing with, with with the Black Panther movement growing up? Absolutely. It was all about that. And um, the, the movement led me to so many other directions. I mean, because of, because of those, those things, I started to really search as a teenager. I began to search, which is why I work with teenagers and why I work with kids that are having struggles and having problems identifying who they are and what they're supposed to do with their lives, is that as a teenager, I, I had those as my standards and it began, I began looking into all kinds of movements, you know, and the Baha'i movement became very prominent in my, in my mind because it was a social, uh, diverse, you know, active, uh, oriented group. Mm -hmm. And so I became involved with the Baha'is because of that, uh, because of my early, my early beginnings and my family, I, I became involved in a, in a new kind of revolution that, in, that involved going out to communities all over the world and talking about the, the unity and oneness of of humanity. Yeah, well, we, we, we've had we've had the local mm -hmm. Baha'i leadership here on our show at least three or four times already, and, oh, you know, okay. and, and they okay. speak of that. <laughs> so you, so you know the. No, no, no. That that that's that term that you that word you just used oneness. They're big on that oneness. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, uh, and, and uh, e equality, racial harmony. You know, unity yeah, of religions. Diversity. All that we stuff. Yeah. Have to be the same. Yeah, unity and diversity. We can all be different. But still come to the table and be who we yeah, are. Yeah, no, no. We and got that, um, George Cannon and uh, and um, Mr. Clarkson um, and, okay. and, and um, Alan Smith, a uh, group. And yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, I, know, <laughs> I know all of those guys. Yeah, and there's a lady, and there's a lady as well. I forgot her name. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to leave her Kathleen, out. Kathleen, 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 correct, Alan correct, right? correct. They, yeah, they, they come on here, right? and every time they come on, we, 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 we end up with a rich conversation. Uh, I, I, no, I'm serious about about human. Uh, it's, it's about humanity. That's what it's all about. Everything is based on humanity and, and love. You talk about the need, the need for more love uh, yeah. uh, of each other and appreciation for what everybody brings to the table. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, that, I'm going to be giving a talk at the National Center on Sunday. Uh, I'm I'm here as a visitor. I'm, I've been invited to come over and work with with some of the youth and some of the islands and so we're contacting organizations and i'm only been here about a week but i'm going to start working with young people and and do what i can while i'm here it's, and, your, um, it's your first yeah, visit first visit to the virgin house my first ever visit yes what's it like knowing that that uh heaven actually exists on earth <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful place i must i must say i've, I've been to st john already mm -hmm. um and i'm here on st thomas right now and um uh, going to visit St. Croix at some point. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying about. myself. It's a beautiful island. 
It's kind of cloudy today. It looks like we're going to yeah. have some more rain. Yeah, well, so. Philippe, Philippe, uh, Hurricane Philippe, been, Tropical Storm Philippe been acting up and don't want, been hanging out here for like 10, 11 days, don't want to leave, you know what I'm saying? But I can't blame Philippe. Yeah. This, is, this is a beautiful part of the world, so we can't blame Philippe, you know what I'm saying? No, so, no, I understand. So, it's, so we're good. It is beautiful. When I got here, it was great, sunny and, and a little windy, but it was great. I You're based it. in California now or, or are you back in Orleans? Um, I'm in California while when I'm home. I mean, I've been on the road traveling for the last few years. I've just been kind mm-hmm. of, I go home and visit my <laughs> my house and my kids a little bit, then I get back on the road. Uh, so, but you're, ba- but you're based in Southern California? But I'm based in Southern California, right. In Monrovia, Monrovia, California. Oh, I love it, I love it out uh, there. Oh, of Pasadena, huh? Over there is nice, man. I like it out there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, north of uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, well, you know, there's a there's a racetrack in Arcadia, so you know, wherever there's a racetrack, I'm, 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 you know, you know, I'm gonna find that. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it is. <laughs> I'm a horse yeah, race guy, so right yeah. I'm, matter of fact, I'm gonna be there in a couple of weeks anyway. I mean, in, in a month, I'll oh, be, really? I'll, yeah, I'll be out there in a month. Yeah, I gotta go check out, okay. check out some race out there. But let me ask this, this, this final question, um, sure. before we get into the to the Baha'i and and all that stuff. Is JJ, <laughs> is JJ, is JJ Jimmy Walker as funny in person as he is on TV? He is funny in person. Uh, but, you know, he's very reserved most of the time. Unless you get him going, he's kind of like Richard Pryor was. You know, once you get him going, you can't stop him. But, you know, yeah, he, but he's, he's a nice guy. He's a very good person. Did you ever, nice did you ever get to see him say dynamite? Did you ever get to see, you ever get to see him say that live when, when you were on Good Times? Yeah, of course. I was on the set when I was waiting for my time to come on. You know, I was yeah, I was there for two episodes. I was there yeah, for yeah. the first episode okay. where he gets shot. You know, I, I I'm the, the gang leader that you know pulls the trigger, and then I come back the second episode because I have the conversation with my mother where she slaps me and the, the whole thing. So yeah, there's a following of Mad Dog. Uh, Snoop Dogg talks about him all the time, and everybody, some of the characters that uh, they call themselves dogs, Nate Dogg, all these. It, 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 it came from you. That, that's your fault. You, 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 you did that. You know, you, you, you created that. That's your fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my fault. And and, and actually, not only that, it's not only dog. It's the spelling. It's D A W G. You know what I'm saying? It's not D O G. That's your fault. You you. Well, nah, yeah, that's, nah, that's, that's nah, fault, nah, yeah. nah, I'm just teasing. That's that's a good thing. That's, that's, no, that. no, really, those guys all talk about him because I think it has an impact on them, and that show, those couple episodes, had a real impact. Without um, a doubt. In fact, I, I mediated some gangs after that. People said if, oh, they said if Mad Dog will show up, we'll stop shooting. That's what we're talk talking about. We're talking with Oscar DeGruy. We're going we're gonna to take a break. He's here uh, in sight empowerment programs. Uh, we're going to be talking with the Baha'i. Uh, he's going to be at the Baha'i uh, Center. And he's going to be talking. Uh, he works at the Baha'i Youth Workshop uh, as well. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Credit Score controls a lot of what you can do and have access to. Introducing Credit Score by Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix's credit score include daily access to your score, real-time alerts, personalized credit report, and special offers. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peter's Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix, bankofstcroix.com, or the Bank of St. Croix app. 
My name is Teresa Barber. I was in the United States Navy and I served overseas in the Middle East and Africa. Early on in my career, I had a commander that taught our suicide prevention training and the very next day he took his own life. 90% of suicide attempts involving a gun are fatal. My way of continuing my service is to help protect my community by being a responsible gun owner and by storing firearms safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culturman Silcat. Early bird tickets go on sale beginning Monday, October 16th through Tuesday, November 14th. Tickets will be available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or Call 340-774-6255 or 340-690-7293. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, Antilles School, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, and the VI Housing Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. And we're back here analyzing, having a great discussion with Mr. Oscar DeGru, uh, Insight Empowerment Programs, and he's been working with the, um, the Baha'i uh, Youth Workshop uh, for a lot of years. You wrote this manual almost 40 years ago, my brother. Hello? Yeah, hello? Yeah. Now, I was saying that you wrote the manual for the Baha'i, uh, the, the workshop manual for, for Baha'i Youth Workshops back in the 80s. Uh, yeah, the first the first ever workshop was in the seventies when we first started. Okay, but they said, um, they said in nineteen eighty two, DeGru was joined by Juliet Supikian. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's when that's when we did. Uh, yeah, that was it was there was like three iterations of the workshop. There was seventies, eighties, and nineties. Okay, yeah, and then so they said together they co-wrote the workshops manual in nineteen eighty seven. That's yeah, right. that's that's a, that's right. a long that time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. So yeah. I mean, the, the workshop I and mean, those are kids that grew up, you know, traveling around the country doing. You're up with people and, you know, doing the virtues and doing all the, the, the social justice things we've been talking about. They were on a bus. We traveled every every summer around on a bus and go uh, national tours kind of thing. Oh, yeah? Tell us about the tour. Where did it start? Start in, in Southern California? Start in Southern California. We'd go up through Arizona. We'd go up toward the top. We'd end up in up, uh, Nebraska sometime. We'd come around and swing and come back down the south and come to the east and through New York and then come back through Mississippi, New Orleans. We make a big circle around the country. You make, you make California all the way around. Did you make it up to the Great Northwest, up to Seattle, up, up that part of the world? I I was I was in uh, near I was on Bainbridge Island just recently. Oh really? Which is near Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Suquamish tribe, there's a group of people that I knew from Alaska who were Native American Clinket uh, uh, that moved to uh, to Bainbridge Island, and I went there to visit and work with uh, the community there. So like I said, I've been on the road for a long time. I'm not traveling on the bus with the kids anymore, but I'm kind of on my own tour, you know, on my mm -hmm. own tour around the country. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, so the workshop was, was, was effective during those those mainly those years. After 
after the 90s, uh, the workshop kind of it went into a different phases, and, and uh, they're doing different projects now. They're doing more community-oriented uh, activities nowadays. Uh, the Baha'i communities have local neighborhood activities going on, Wait, which is not so much the broad scope. Let me ask you this question, since you, you, know, sure. you, you, are, you are a true OG. You know what I'm saying? You're an OG, <laughs> right? Why do you think? Okay. Why do you think gun violence is so prevalent today? What's What's the real reason behind that? The real reason why gun violence is so prevalent? Yeah, yeah. Because because you you've seen it. You 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 you've been uh, uh, in the trenches, so to speak, and the access the access to to guns. Uh, even here in the Virgin Islands, we got a problem with it. It's real, and of course, um, the 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 current administration, they pass gun violence legislation. But at the end of the day, it's a societal thing that we need to work on, a mental thing that we need to work on. Why why do you think um, our young people feel the need to be packing, for the lack of a better term? Well, you said the word access. You can get a gun anywhere, and nobody cares. This country is about having guns. I mean, let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. That Second Amendment thing is, is people have lost their mind. That's what they, they live and believe that that's their right to have a gun and to carry a gun and to shoot, if necessary, anybody that they need to shoot. I mean, but not every country in the world. Think about that. Every other country in the world, nobody behaves like that. That's what I'm saying. Nobody thinks like that. That's what I'm but saying. Because it's, it's, it, it's built into the fabric of the nation. I came on here. I, I came on here last year, uh, late May, right? Late May, we had we had the murders in Buffalo. Remember those the hate crimes when the yeah. guy the guy drove the young man, a young a young uh, white kid drove two and a half hours from Conklin, New York, and drove to East Buffalo and opened up fire at a at a at a restaurant uh, at a supermarket, right? Right. And then ten days later, we had the 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 massacre in Ubalde. Right down in Texas, right. right, and right, and I came on my show. That was a Tuesday. I came on, on my show. It was either on Monday or Tuesday. I came on my show the next morning. And I said, "I'm starting to question if we are truly a civilized nation, because our behavior and mass murder, mass shootings happening. Then you had one, I think, in Cypress, California, right? You had another yeah. one in Pittsburgh, right, at the church, right? I mean." It were, they were happening way too frequent. Then we had one in Jacksonville like recently, like three, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, right? It, it, it's, it's happening way too regular for us not to question whether or not we are this civilized society that wants to police the world like we claim we are. We are not a civilized civilization. <laughs> We are not a civilized nation. Plain and simple. When it comes to guns, mm -hmm. when it comes to guns, we are not civilized in the least. We are not at all. We are not civilized. When it comes to guns, you got you got, you got to be clear. We are great about a lot of other stuff, but we, it comes to guns, we turn into cavemen. We turn into you know to Al, Al Capone and his gang. We 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 glorify the idea of guns. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We've made it what it is. We've made guns, you know, fun, fabulous, you know, uh, glamorous. We, we've made guns, all of that, over the decades. We've been doing it and building and building and building. And then you have what's happening today based on where we've come a long way. But look, what, look where we are. Look where we are. 
And it's all been about the fact that we've glorified this idea of carrying guns and having guns. It's been part of our, our, our nature. From, from, from the Westerns on television, when I was a kid watching Hopalong Cassidy or something, the first TV versions of, of people shooting things, you know, it was all about the guns and shooting, shooting Native Americans. You know, it was, it was all about that. If you can look at the history of, of the cinema, you'll see that guns have always played a part. Not every civilization, not every country has glorified guns like we have. But, but, and I think it's but, you know, Second Amendment thing. Well, I comment to that. I'm coming to that because we, we, this conversation really is a rich conversation this morning, so I want to maximize it, right? Um, when, when, when we were talking about what was taking place back then, um, you know, I did some research, right? Back in 1991, and this we were having this conversation last year, so that's 2022, so that's 31 years before, now 32 years before, right? A chief justice, okay. I, I referenced a quote by uh, a Supreme Court justice who was a conservative, right? And I'm going to read it now off of the NPR.org, right? And he said, former Chief Justice Warren Burger, a conservative, said the idea that there was an individual right to bear arms was a fraud. If he, if he were writing the Bill of Rights now, he said in 1991, there wouldn't be any such thing as the Second Amendment. He declared on PBS that the Second Amendment has been the subject of one of the greatest pieces of fraud. I repeat the word fraud on the American public by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. So this problem was recognized decades ago. And we did nothing. And now I realize the National you know, Rifle Association, the NRA, and that lobbyist group is very, very powerful. But then one of my partners on this show, they sent me a quote from the NRA president back in the 30s, 40s, who said the same thing that Berger said. They have misinterpreted what the Second Amendment is supposed to reflect as it relates to protecting the country. And they've conveyed those rights, conferred, I, should, I, think, I think that's the word, conferred those rights onto, the, onto um, individuals and citizens, this right to bear arms. And now it's totally out of control, Mr. DeGroote, totally out of control. And I don't know if we, if we have the capacity, even with all the legislation that, that, that they could adopt, to rein in this problem. This is a very serious problem, Mr. DeGroote. I agree. I agree. And, and the fact that they've misinterpreted the... Second Amendment is as clear as day. I mean, the militias back in those days were, that was about protecting the country, protecting the community. That's right, it community is correct. You're correct. It wasn't about everybody carrying a gun. You know, it wasn't about, you know, the wild, wild west where everybody gets to go out and, you know, challenge somebody to a shootout. I mean, that's not what it was about. But that's what it became. And, it, and it's, it's that today. I so, mean, so, so how do you, so how do you, how do you, and you're talking to young people across the country, Im, Im, implore upon them to not get caught up, for the lack of a better term, that's the street language, right? To not get caught up yeah. in, in, in believing that they got to get strapped. It, 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 do we have to get them out of the neighborhoods where they at? Should we, should we be encouraging them to move to gated communities? Part of the reason why they feel the need to pack and strap is because of where they at. Yes, because of that, and and it's education and it's consultation. Behind of a of a concept called consultation, where everybody sits down and talks about why we need to do what we're doing, why we're doing this in the first place, and what do we do 
and need to change to make it better. I mean, that, it's all about the communication and education and that for our community. That's what black talking community, about. I like we definitely that need to be talking to our youth and, and having these conversations about being able to solve problems and solve issues with each other without having to go there. We don't need to go there, and we don't have to go there. If we can find other ways to resolve our problems. But see, everybody's pointing to this as the answer. They've glorified it. You know, even the gangster rappers back in the day, you got to admit that was part of the, part of the scene. Yeah. We, yeah. we did it to ourselves in many ways. Mm-hmm. We, took upon, we took on that attitude of, yeah, you know, you want me coming? I'm strapped. You, want, you got yours? I got mine. Let's do it. I mean, that was the attitude. And, it's not, and, and it's not limited to guns because you know, I'm a sports guy, right? I'm a sports junkie, right? And it, nothing pains me more than to see these, these young men playing basketball, right? Or, or any sport. But in this case, I'm going to use two basketball examples where, you know, they, they're blessed with physical attributes, right? They work their tail off yeah. to get to the point where they're signing good three, four-year contracts, making $20, 25000000 million a year, and then they get themselves involved in a domestic domestic issue. Miles Bridges, who played for the Charlotte Hornets, he, he had a situation. Now we got a young man named Kevin Porter. Uh, he plays for Houston. He just signed a four-year $86 million deal, and now he can't even he can't even play with his team because he got into a domestic uh, situation uh, with a young lady. Um, these guys are reacting, right, instead of acting. They're not thinking, Mr. DeGroote. I, I, I think well, that— you know, my, my, sister, my sister, Dr. Joy DeGroote, you know her? No, I Have do you not. Have heard of her? No. She's I, a, you need to look her up. She's an amazing woman. Uh, wrote a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. That's my sister's book, okay. and she's she's a she's a. You wouldn't talk about getting somebody on the show. <laughs> you need to get her on your show. I mean, she's traveled the world. I mean, she got a. She talks about the idea of generational trauma, and how this has been part of the black community for decades and decades and decades and decades back to slavery. You know, we've been dealing with this generation. We never got any help coming out of slavery. Now, who who sent us to therapy when we they said we were free? After you done done all you've done to us for all them for all those hundreds of years, you're gonna suddenly set us free and now we're gonna be normal people? How we need some help just becoming a normal person after all that. So we have trauma in our in our community, in ourselves, that we need to address. And that people react sometimes and don't even know why. You know, we're reacting to things. You know, somebody steps on your show in the movie theater, you jump up like you're ready to kill him. All they did was step on your foot. Why why are you reacting like that? No but, no, no, but yo, 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 but no, 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 but check this out, right? I spent $150 for my ballets. You can't be stepping on my shoes, man. You can't do that. No, I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm, no, 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 I'm just talking, I'm just talking about the crazy mentality that exists with these people. Instead of, yo, I got to go home and get the brush and clean off the, clean it off because this is suede. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking, they're thinking is, yo, yo, you stepped on my foot. I got to smack you. That's crazy. Okay. I gave the wrong example. I don't know who I'm talking. No, about. no, 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 no. Yo, yo, I yo, look. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teenager of the '70s and the '80s. Okay. 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 Right. And, and then I grad, I graduated that same year that you guys finished the manual in 1987. That's the year I graduated from college, right? Okay. So, All so, right. so the hip hop. I'm a hip hop. I'm a hip hop child, right? <laughs> I got you. It is what it is. what it is. So when 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 the golden age for hip hop, which is considered like eighty five to ninety five, 
right? When it yeah. really, the foundational, the, the true foundational years are the 70s yeah. with Africa, Bambada, and all that stuff. But the real reason yeah. when it took off, right, when it, when it became mainstream, and that's the term I think we should be using here, mainstream, right? Uh, right. Was late 80s, early 90s, right? And you got yeah. you got uh, and particularly on the West Coast with the G with the G rap with the Chronic and um, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and all yeah. that stuff and you're driving around and and, and you, 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 the hydraulics in the car and the car is bouncing and the music's playing and all that stuff, right? Uh, Absolutely. No, I'm serious. And, and and the thinking was if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a car like that, then you gotta have a piece, right? And then the next yeah. thing the next thing you know. The next thing you know, the, the bottom line. Yeah, the, the bottom line. Yeah, man. Go ahead. The bottom line, and, and I was trying to get to it, and I said a little bit about it, but it's generational trauma. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. being traumatized over and over and over again. Well, I, I think how it's peer. Men, I think it's also peer pressure, man. I think I think it's peer, a lot of peer pressure, feeling the need to be like other people instead of being yourself. Yeah. But, it, but it's also because we've swallowed all of that anger and rage over the decades. Correct. We've been swallowing that. We've been getting shot in the back for years. Now we got cameras and we can see people being killed and shot and abused. But we, could, we didn't have those cameras back in the day. This has been going on forever. So how much trauma is there in our community? You have but, to understand, this has to be addressed as what it is. It's generational trauma. And we need to start addressing that we have an illness based on the fact that we've never addressed what has happened to us. Well, I, I think no I, I think I think you need to modify that. I think it's multi-generational trauma, not just yes. generational trauma. No, no, right? no, no. I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't say it correctly. You said it correctly. Multi-generational Correct. trauma. Correct. It goes back from the very beginning. I, I was 28 years old. I, I was 28 years old. I was in my dad's office, and I'm looking at what took place in L.A. in 1992 when the verdict came down after the Rodney King um, um, uh, verdict, ke- yeah. verdict, right? Now, the case, yeah. was, I be- the case, I believe, was in Simi Valley, but the incident happened in L.A., right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I saw what happened, and, and I believe that particular, seeing that, right, that revolution was televised. You know, you know, right. you know, you know how the, you know the slang, right? The revolution will not be televised, right? But that one was yeah. televised. And as a result of that, um, I believe that that created the belief that ever so often we need to have one of those. That's why we had the insurrection in 2021. That was televised as well. You know what I'm saying? These people nowadays, they used to do things in the, in the dark and not and not have a didn't have a problem uh, and didn't want to be seen. Now they don't have a problem. If you see me, you see me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's glorified. And, and, and that's part of the problem there as well. Great conversation with Mr. Oscar DeGroote. By the way, I pulled up your, your, your sister's um, PS, PT, what's it? P, PTSS. Um, yeah, post-traumatic stress. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that and about what you're going to be doing here uh, on a working vacation down in paradise. We'll be back right after this. Sometimes you need a moment to just step back, relax, and listen to your favorite song. I'm Raina Duris, and on the next World Cafe, maybe I can help you find something new to love, or maybe remind you of something you've been missing. There's so much music out there to enjoy, so take a moment, take a breath, and tune in to World Cafe. 
weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news design for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. As the news gets more complex and changes through the day, you need more than just a quick headline check. Here and Now keeps you connected to your world between Morning Edition and All Things Considered as the news and the people shaping it are changing in real time. I'm Robin Young. Follow along on Here and Now, NPR News weekday afternoons. From 2 to 4 on WTJX FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. These days, people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga. At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. From 5 to 8 p.m., right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Back here and analyze this, having a great Tuesday discussion, Tuesday morning discussion with Mr. Oscar DeGru, who um, focuses on uh, insight empowerment uh, programs. He's here. You're uh, gonna be at, speaking at the Baha'i National Center in Saint Thomas. And when, when you gonna be? When you gonna be um, speaking? Sunday this weekend? Sunday, yeah, three o'clock. Uh, it's, it's up the Mountain Road. What is it called? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crown yeah. Mountain Road. Crown Cr- Mountain, Cr- Road. Mountain Road. Yeah, yeah. Head up the road. Miski Center is at the bottom of the hill. You Correct. go up that hill, that, and you'll see, eventually you'll see it, some it, signs. It's, it's on the left-hand side. You can't miss it. It's on the left-hand side but heading up the hill. Left-hand yeah. side. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's good. By the way, um, first of all, I want to thank you for making some time to, to be on the show this morning, because this is a great conversation that we have, having, so I appreciate that. Right? I want to make that, make that clear. Well, it's you, my pleasure. My you, pleasure. You, you ain't going to hang up the phone and, and not say that Neville James didn't thank me publicly for being on my program and, and bringing, some quality, <laughs> bringing some quality content. I, 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 I want to make that clear, right? Now, um, I didn't know that you had roots in Belize. Well, my mom, yeah, my my mom's side goes back to Belize and Jamaica, mm-hmm. and um, and to West Africa. My dad goes to the Netherlands and to France. So we're from New Orleans, so we got the French and all that mixed in there. So, so, you know, I'll so, be so my you, 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 my you, that's what you guys, that's what you guys say in 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 New Orleans, right? That's how you pronounce it, right? New Orleans, right? New Orleans, everybody. New Orleans, right? <laughs> everybody said New Orleans, all that, but I, I was corrected one time. It's New Orleans. It's, it, 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 it's two words, but it's pronounced as one. New Orleans, right? <laughs> yeah. Orleans, uh, so yeah. you guys, you guys have gumbo down there in the Virgin Islands, right? We have Kalalu. So before you leave, tell them you want a bowl of Kalalu before you leave to go back. Okay. So, so you could, so, so, so you, could, you tell them you want some Kalalu. Now, now, um, <laughs> you have to, now, you have now, the New Orleans gumbo. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, 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 gumbo nice, man. Okay. Hey, gumbo okay, nice. Okay, As a matter of okay. fact, matter of fact, one of my homeboys, 
uh, from here. Uh, he he actually lives in in New Orleans. And I, I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago. I said, yo, I'm coming to the Louisiana Derby next year for the first time. So look out for me. It's like late March, early April. So I told him to look out for me. So I'm going to check out my homeboy, Akio, who's down there in New Orleans this year. No, that's number right, one. Go to, the, go to the French Quarter and get yourself a, some gumbo. I got to do it. I got to do it. You gotta know what I'm saying? I got to do it. Do so it, so, so that's, 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 number, that's, that's number one. Number two, <laughs> Belize, right? Um, have you ever been okay. to Belize? I haven't been yet. I mean, I've never, I've not been to Belize and I haven't been to France. So, 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 so you, 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 you still got some. I was going to go to West Africa. My sister's been all over Africa. My sister Joy and my sister Iris, they've been all over yeah. Africa. My sister Iris lived in South Africa for a while. So you still so, got you know, some, I'm, you still I'm got some bucket really list. Africa. You still got some bucket list items that you got to check off before I you. I still got some bucket list uh, I got to uh, take right. care of. But check this out, right? When you go to Belize, right? And you hear the people talk, you're going, you're going to want to know if they're from the Virgin Islands. Because we have the exact same exact same accent. accent. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I saw a documentary one time, and when I heard this man speaking, I said, but wait, this man sung like one of us. And he was, <laughs> he was from Belize, formerly British Honduras, so, right? Formerly okay, British so Honduras. What, so what came first? So what came first? Uh, no, 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 the boat, no, 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 the boat dropped us off, dropped off some of us here, and then dropped off the ah, rest of us over going, there. You know what I'm saying? It, you. You, you, you see, you see how the conversation cycling back to what your sister wrote about. You know what I'm saying? We're going back. We're going back. We keep, it's a big circle, man. We keep coming back to the same thing. Exactly. And, and we, yeah, we got, we got to, we got to address it. And our young people need to know. Well, they got, they got, they have to have an appreciation. What well, I had this conversation yesterday on my round table. You must have an appreciation for history, right? Yes. Nowadays, the money is made with engineering, medicine. Uh, computers and law and all that stuff, but th we need a uh, some of us because I'm a history major, so I'm gonna promote that, right? We need we need a, a percentage of us to grab onto history so that we could impart on our people, right? And everybody, not just our people, everybody, yeah, everyone, everyone, right? It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a racial thing. It should be a global thing, a, a embracing of every race. That the more you know about everybody's culture, the easier exactly. it is for you. To process why they think how they think. Exactly. Um, there's a guy named Dr. Nichols. Uh, he's a, also a professor. I think he's retired now. But he he broke down how each culture has an impact was impacted by their by their location. Mm -hmm. by, if you're in the, if you're in the cold north, you know you're not going to be the same as if you're in Brazil. You're going to behave and live a whole different kind of life. That's right. I mean, you know, it's a whole different reality. But you know what that is, right? But you, but, but you know what that is, right? You know what that is, right? That's logic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just logic. You know, we, 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 we have a, America's biggest problem, in my opinion, right, is they overanalyze everything and they try to sophisticate everything. You know what I'm saying? They don't bring things back down to its, you know, foundation, its core roots, you know, um... The, the notion that everything has to be uh, analytical, you know, I, I mean, this, the name of this show is Analyze This and we break things down, but everything that we try to do here, we try to bring it down to its simplest form. It's like an algebra problem, you know what I'm saying? When you're solving our calculus problem, right? When you're doing calculus, at the end of the day, you're still coming down to basic math, you know what I'm saying? And I think we get away from that too much. Well, the European concept is linear. It's all about what comes next, what's a straight line. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you go to Germany and the plane leaves at nine nine oh nine and you get there at nine ten, guess what? You know the plane is gone. Yeah. But if you're in Brazil and the, the plane leaves at nine oh nine, it might leave sometime that day because it may take a nap because it's too hot. 
and tell you to come back later. Here because they have a spiral concept. Everything yeah. comes back around in, in that culture. Cyclical. But in the linear yeah. culture, mm-hmm. you only got so much time to get everything done, right? So that means you have to get it done now. Because the ground is frozen, you know, like most of the year. So you got three months to grow and plant and get your stuff together so you don't die in the winter. Right? That's in Northern Europe we're talking about. So if you're in South America, how much time you got to take care of yourself and grow and plant? You could fish. You could pick berries. You ain't going to die in the winter because you ain't got no food. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? There's yeah, a whole other yeah, way yeah. of life wow. that you have to look at that's different on how I see the world and how you see the world. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the world differently. It doesn't mean that we're right or wrong. It's just different. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be right or wrong. No, it can just I, be yeah, different. No, you're right. We'd no. be okay with it being different. It'd just be different. No, you yeah, you, you, just, okay you, just, you just you just brought up a, a good point there, right? And 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 I I was in Saratoga, right? Another horse racing location. That's just me. That's my thing, right? <laughs> I, I go to Saratoga every August, and I met one of my homeboys. He actually lives on Saint John. His name is Andy Rutnick. Uh, he's up. He's from, he's from uh, uh, upstate New York, Albany, right next door, like a half hour away. And um, one of the things I learned, right? And I mentioned this on the show earlier. They make all their money. Right between like May and October, or May and September, because the rest of the year it's freezing up there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, yeah. so, so they know that they gotta max out that window, that five, that four and a half to five and a half month window, so they could pay the bills for the other parts of the year that they don't generate that revenue. You know what I'm saying? So you, so you, so you just, you just, you just talked about it as it relates to feeding yourself, right? They get three yeah. months of the year to harvest. Right, that's what you're saying, right? right? So, yeah, exactly. so, so we don't have time to waste. We don't have the luxury, like like we might have down here in the Virgin Islands, where we can grow year round. You know what I'm saying? That's right. The ground is frozen. Yeah, nine yeah. months out of the year, the ground is no, frozen. No, that's a good point. Nine that's a months good point. out of the year in Northern Europe, how much time you got to get it right? No, you're right, man. You're right, that's, man. That's why they had a castle to protect not only themselves but the food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> protect the food so we can survive the winter. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a whole nother mentality, and in the, and in the South, or in in Brazil, or even even in this country, there, there are different attitudes based on where you are and what you're growing up with. What's the environment? What is the, the situation that, where you are? So you're going to see the world differently than anybody else let, from let me, where you are. Let, let me ask this question cause, 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 be, because you live you live in um you live in Monrovia, out there in the good part, right? Not far from La Habra, right? La Habra, right? As as I pronounce it. Not far. Not too far. Not too far, right? Um, America is becoming more colored than certain uh, elements of the population would like it to come. How do we? How do we? How do we uh, deal with this irresistible force versus this immovable object? Because that's a problem. Well, it's denial. People don't want to believe that. People don't want to accept that. People in some places I go, they say we want our country back. Yeah, but you, but yeah, but then, and then when you tell them, excuse me, you you actually took this from somebody. This wasn't yours to begin with. Then they get offended because they can't handle the truth. Okay, so here we go. You're going in that circle again. We're coming back around mm. to everybody dealing with their own situation and ego around what has happened to them. They see themselves as being deprived today. They don't think about what happened in the, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. All they think about is what's in front of them. All I see is what I see. You know, I don't want to talk about all that. In fact, they're trying to ban books all over the place because they don't want to talk about what's in the past. 
They want to talk about what's happening right now. Well, you they know, don't want to make any association with the two. Well, you and know, there is a, a direct link between the past and the present. You the, cannot ignore the past. The, the reason why they have a problem with banning those books, uh, Bob Marley had a song by the name of Jalev, and the song starts. He said, "The truth is an offense, but not a sin." And the problem is they're offended. They're offended because they can't believe grandpa and great grandpa and great great grandpa was that was, was that heinous and treated people like that. That's why that's that's the deal. So they they they're trying to rub it out because they can't handle the truth. Yeah. Well, well yeah, that's fine. You, you you don't want anybody to hear the truth. Think about us who went through what you're talking that's, about. Uh, okay. Yes. And we're part of the heinous mm -hmm. part of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Who suffered all the indignities that you're talking about? Yeah. What do you think our life is like? But 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 there is one thing that I that I that I would I would like in a perfect world, right? That it not be applied with a broad brush, because not everybody who is a particular color, right, skin color, believes the same way. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, I agree. If we look at history, right, and you look at the you look at the Middle Passage. Right, of course, people know of the people. Know, people don't really know they know of the Middle Passage because that's the passage where our ancestors were brought from Africa uh, to, yeah, to to this part of the world. Right, but yeah. part of that was because um, some of our ancestors people sold them out and made them available. Right. Okay, but understand, understand. You got to read my sister's book. Okay, mm -hmm. got to read the book mm -hmm. because slavery in Africa was not the same as as chattel slavery here. No, it was not. No, it was not. Because you could you could marry the, the, the chief's daughter at some point if you got brought into the tribe because they conquered your tribe. You could become, you became part of that tribe. But, and you were, yes, maybe a slave. But we, but we can't, but we can't, but, but we can't deny, but we can't, but we can't deny the truth, Oscar. There were those of us oh, who sold some of oh, us no, out. But they, did, but they didn't know they were being sold into that kind of slavery. You understand? They, the slavery that they understood in Africa is not the slavery that was happening here. It was a whole different kind of slavery. You understand what I'm saying? I, I understand that part, but it still happened. But it still happened, though. It still happened. It happened, yes. No, no, no. The, not, because not because once, we, once, once we get into the qualification things, that's where we cause problems. You know what I'm saying? I that's understand. Saying. I understand. I understand. There were problems there, and I understand that there was slavery in Africa, and they sold slaves to the, to the Europeans Correct. when they came Correct. over. They sold different kind of slavery, but slavery nonetheless. I agree with that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I'm just trying to make a point, and this is part the part why I, I recommend my sister's book. Mm -hmm. Anyone who wants to know the real history of all of this, this post-traumatic thing, um, is that yeah, there was a whole different understanding of what was going on with slavery in Africa, as opposed to those slave castles that they put them in before they even brought them over. But it was, but, but it was all, but it was all about for money and capitalism, man. Because the first yeah. part of the passage, right, yeah. was manufactured yeah. goods, manufactured goods from Europe down to Africa, right? Yeah. The second part, the middle, the middle passage, the middle passage was from Africa to America, and then they're selling them for furs and all that stuff, and send it back to Europe. It was a, it was a triangulation effect. It was all about sale and capitalism, man. That's what it was about. I understand. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Do you know how many Jews were killed in the, in the Holocaust, right? Yes. Approximately, how many was that? Well, I don't know the exact number, but the point that I'm making well, is that it, it does it does not compare it does not compare to the number of uh, our, our ancestors. People um, have no idea how many bodies are in between. In exactly. The exactly. You know, you know what the low, the, the low estimate of Africans that died on the way to what, America? You know what the low estimate is? What's the low estimate? Nine million. And I wouldn't doubt it 
the least bit. The highest, the highest estimate is 25 million people wow. died in the Middle Passage. In the Middle Passage. Wow. Yes. So we, what I know, what, what I do know is that there is no compar there is no comparison. But what I do know is that there is no comparison as it relates to the volumes of the volume of lives lost compared to the the Holocaust versus that of the Middle Passage. Two different exactly. universes. Two, saying, two different saying, universes. But 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 I do want to say this though. Still, heinous mentality, doing that to human beings. You don't do that to human yes, beings. Of course. Yeah. In both in, in in both in, in in both instances and other instances as well, where where that took place, and and that's the one thing that 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 you know attracted me because when I was young, I was big Martin Luther King, and as I got older, I find myself gravitating more to uh, to Mar to Malcolm X, and Malcolm X right. said this. He said, you know, this is not a civil rights issue. This is a human rights issue because you don't exactly. do those type of things to human beings, right? Which made yeah. it, and that's the reason why he became a target because they realized that he mentally, right, was evolving from the colored, the the, the colored people argument to a people argument, and that's why right. he was a greater threat to the establishment, right? Because at that point, you know, of course, he had the pilgrimage to Mecca and all that stuff. I mean, to Hajj right. and all that. But you yeah. know, once you once people of all colors gravitate to you, then you become a problem, right? And that's the biggest problem. Oscar DeGruy, great conversation. Sure. Don't forget, don't forget when you talk to your sister to let your sister know to contact WTJX so we could get her on, <laughs> so we could get her on, so we could have that conversation with yeah, her as well. I know because she's a she's, she's, she's Port, Portland State University, all that good stuff yeah, and all that. Professor, yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you very much for making some time this morning. Great conversation, well, and look, looking forward to talking yeah. with you again, sir. Okay, you got it. That's Oscar DeGruy, originally from New Orleans, with roots out of the Belize. Now in Southern California, having a conversation in the Virgin Islands on a beautiful Tuesday morning. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Um, be good. Be safe. Condolences once again to the family of Lisa Chucky Hansen, great senator. Ah, it is what it is. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party! Or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. Wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's on point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.